It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, George? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. G'day, everyone. Welcome back to our Euros live streams on the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast. Today, we'll be previewing the other half of the round of 16 fixtures, Croatia, Spain, France, Switzerland, both tomorrow. And then on Tuesday night, yes, that's correct, England and Germany and Sweden versus Ukraine. As always, just like we had on uh, on Sunday Oh, not Sunday, sorry, Thursday night. An excellent amount of questions, comments, all the good stuff. Please send them through at any time. Already noticed that Jarnell's back. Good to see you, mate. Um, and, yeah, we will get to them throughout the show. Joining at the bottom of your screen, you wouldn't read about it. The man's the man's come through everything the last couple of days, sickness and all. How are you, Neil? Yeah, all good, mate. you? Yeah, not too bad at all. George, you're back too, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good, mate. Not too bad. It's a good day of football and it, it doesn't stop yet. We've got Copper America to go. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> buzzing. Yeah. <laughs> we were just chatting about your poor missus before this, mate. The poor girl, eh? Well, to be honest, mate, if she's not happy to sit through Venezuela against Peru, then she's not the one. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, that's, that's, some, that's some really tough criteria there. Um, (laughs) fellas before we uh before we get to today's games one thing that i just wanted to address off the top i i listened back a little bit to our to our podcast on on thursday night and i think uh i think the conversation around prop bets and stuff got a little bit uh i think it got a little bit left to went a little bit astray i would say and it probably didn't get mentioned that prop bets or like some of the bets that Neil mentioned or sent to me actually uh, and some of the bets that Jarnell was sending through him. I think they're all terrific bets uh, but I think that got lost in the conversation of kind of account limitations and um, maybe not being able to get down as, as much money as you want to and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not having a crack at, at Nigel or anyone or George even if you were saying stuff about um, – how the bets aren't for you. I might be completely talking shit. But... Well, to be fair, there was a there was a pertinent point in there that says, no, if you're yeah. good if they if you're doing well off of those bets, then by all means crack on with them. It's just obviously there's certain types of people that you know, I do the odd prep prop bet. I, there's only specific ones I do and some of them, like I know um Neil's obviously recently put up some man of the match outs and some of them have been been great and fair play. Like I wouldn't there's I just wouldn't they're not my kind of bets. But if they come in for you, absolutely. Then obviously the, the whole point we do these is because we're all on the same side. The intro says it itself. You know, if we can all operate on fair terms and get something from the bookies. That's the main target. So yeah. it doesn't matter what way you do it. If you can do it, go, by all means, go, at the end of the day, if a bet wins, it's not a bad bet. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're an example of it too. I mean, I don't know if card bets are, uh, are defined as prop bets, but I mean, they're they're definitely on the outer kind of markets outside of your well, 1X2s. Free kicks as well, like, I, I like free kick bets yeah, because I, yeah. I can read which ones are likely to see a high number and they're obviously prop bets, so I like them. But, you know, so I kind of dip my toe into, into both ponds, if you like. Um, yeah. No, that's not a euphemism. But, like, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I can see sort of both sides of it. You know, prop bets are very good, but likewise, I, I can be a bit old-fashioned in the way that I think about betting as well. It's whatever works for you, basically, that, then stick with that. Yeah, no, 100%. Mate. I just wanted to make sure that no one was out there. Um <laughs> Yeah, thinking that we were kind of just absolutely shitting on prop bets. I think it just got a lot, little bit lost in conversation yeah. there because Nigel just, you know, he likes to talk on and on and on. You know, it is like... He'd have a, he'd have a Stella. You've got to cut him some slack. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, mate. Um, all right. Should we uh, should we get straight into things or do we want to have a quick recap of uh, of our bets? How was, how was your weekend, Neil? Um, yeah, no, it, it was quite good actually. Um, in, in the end, so uh, it wasn't one that I posted up on the on the pod, though, unfortunately. But it was on my Twitter if you follow. So um, I had uh, Spinozola as man of the match, uh, sixteen to one. Um, so that was nice. That landed. Um, but yeah, again, been a, been a bit of a mixed bag. I think we were saying before we started. George mentioned as well, just tournament football. Just um, you know, there have been some sort of strange. 
games change results there always are um you know there's always going to be these surprises so um yeah a bit of a mixed bag but but not bad yeah overall up so pleased with that all right yeah. good stuff fellas let's um let's get straight into things uh jake is back which is great and he says i hope you placed your bets on the check team today i did mate i hope you guys you fellas did you didn't back did you back the checks i didn't touch that game no <laughs> No, all right. Wasn't having anything. Any of well, I did, I did back them in play. So, so I mean, when when the, the, the Dutch were man down, um, I think the Czechs were still trading at like three point three five, like two minutes before the goal, and I wasn't having that price. I just thought it, it, they had about half an hour left to, to score the goal. You can see the Netherlands like their their heads had just gone. Like they were just getting frustrated over every single foul and kind of trying to push the referee into booking. Um, Czech players, they weren't, you know, you, you you just get a sense sometimes when you see a game where, um, you know, that price was just far too big. I don't know, the market was still thinking that, um, you know, the Dutch with, with Dubai and, and uh, Mignardin on the pitch or Marlon, you know, that they might get something, but I, I just couldn't see it. I, yeah. I was quite annoyed. I was quite annoyed because obviously I've been basically, I've been slagging off the leash horribly, not because he's a bad player, but he's not kind of gone from strength to strength since he signed to Juve. I thought he was a generational talent and I thought, oh, he's going to really kick on. He hasn't. He's a bit John Stones-esque when we first signed him. He's always got a mistake in him. He doesn't look so assured yeah. when he's tackling. It's one of his weaknesses. And I was watching the first half of the game and I kind of just thought, he's going to pick up a book in it because he's he's just all over the place and he's just getting annoyed at himself and angry and putting in even more stupid challenges. So I was like, I'm going to wait until probably about 10 minutes into the second half and uh, I'm going to get some money on the leash to be carded. Anyway, lo and behold, was uh, I think I had to do a task that the girlfriend was like, can you go and do this? Can you go and do that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come back in like two minutes. And at that point, the leash had been sent off. So I was just like, oh, for goodness sake. But uh, no, for me, it was more like a, when I read that quite well, I knew he was sort of just on thin ice, just the way he was playing. But um, yeah, so slightly annoyed on that one. But overall, yeah, I didn't, didn't really touch that game, if I'm honest. Yeah. All right, fellas, let's uh, get into it. And beforehand, I'll just a uh, quick disclaimer on this video and also the podcast uh, i or no one on this youtube channel is a financial advisor this is just educational content aimed at improving your knowledge about sports betting there is a risk of losing money from betting and what choices you make with your money is completely up to you so please be responsible game one gents croatia versus Spain. Spain finally got that big win they deserved against Slovakia last week with a resounding 5-0 win. They finished the group stages with the most XG, XG4, out of any team in the tournament. 9.39 XG, but they only scored six goals, whereas Croatia only managed to create over two expected goals the whole tournament so far, losing to all three opponents they played on XG. But, as I always say, this is, a, this is a game not played on XG, funny enough. So, so what do we see happening here, Neil? Yeah, I think it's, it's a good point that you mentioned about XG. And uh, I think it's something to consider because it's obviously something now, you know, a few years ago, you wouldn't really hear about XG as much. as kind of, even today, I don't know if like, any British uh, viewers watching this, if you remember like Keys. Keys and Gray from the 90s and Spice Sports. So they, they present the, the football over here in Qatar. Uh, you know, and even they were talking about it. You know, these are two sort of old dinosaurs. Um, they're still quite sceptical about it all, but they're kind of forced to talk about this. And this idea about Spain having this very high XG, um, at the end of the day, sometimes you can distinguish sort of quality players, quality strikers, uh, but you know they might their numbers, their metrics, their, their XGs might be quite low. But because they have a moment of brilliance, you know they have that quality. They can put it away. Like the Patrick Schick shot, I think it's like I don't think it was even 0.01 XG. You know if he tried that, you know a thousand times, he probably might not be able to do that ever again. So that's something to bear in mind. That yeah, they are producing these chances. Um, I still think the, the Slovakia game flattered them a little bit. They still struggled to break them down initially. They missed the penalty. Um, I think, this, you know, again, Croatia. But Croatia will be an interesting opponent for them because, you know, they, they, they do like to actually keep the ball themselves. You know, they're, they're not going to be up against this very stubborn, low-block team. Um, so that might actually benefit Spain here. I think Perisic, as far as I'm aware, I think Perisic is out. And that's a huge loss for me, for Croatia, I think, because... Again, you know, he's shown his quality. He scored, you know, scored that brilliant goal. Um, 
and the thing with Croatia is they, they, they kind of rely on these moments of brilliance. Again, with this XG, their XG is so low, but they've scored these goals. I mean, mm. that Paris strike, that Modric strike, these were moments of brilliance from quality players. So losing that from their attack, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just I see a straightforward Spain win here. I think with Perisic in the team, I wasn't quite sure of something maybe I wouldn't have touched. But um, yeah, for me, I think I see a low-scoring Spain win, you know, classic kind of Spain under three and a half play would be where I'd go with this. Yeah, it's it's almost this is like the ultimate debate, isn't it, of who you think will win this game or who you think who you think will perform well is kind of based on how much you believe in XG and and all those kind of things because you've got the XG kings in Spain versus the the non XG kings in, in Croatia. If you're just looking at the first few games of this tournament, um, yeah, where do you sit on this one, George? <laughs> Yeah, well, as soon I kind of wanted to raise the point as well about um, XG. I was, I was actually doing another podcast, and uh, there was, if you like, want to call him a troll in there, was literally going in at me for for using XG despite there only being three games. And whilst I agree, it's very difficult, but over the period of time, you know, it should even itself out. We've seen a comment just there saying if that was the case, you know, Brighton would be. I mean, they said the UCL, but obviously they would have been in the top like five or six of the um, Premier League. But it's also worth noting that Brighton don't have a decent striker at all. They haven't got anyone to put these chances yeah. away. We're talking about international football here with the best of the best. And Alvaro Morata obviously has been struggling lately. It wouldn't surprise me actually to see him on the bench for this game just because um, all the hate that was coming out for him. I think he came out and said the amount of abuse him and his family have taken on social media. So it wouldn't surprise me if Luis Enrique tries to sort of take him away from from all that pressure and all that limelight. Um, but no, at the end of the day, they are creating these chances and the fact that is if they take them. Yes, I, I completely agree with Neil. I think the 5-0 flattered them against Slo- Slovakia. I do think they, they struggled for, for large periods of that game. But but nevertheless, for me, I th- personally think that Slovakia side might have even been a sterner test than this, this Croatia team, personally. I've got no faith in this Croatia side whatsoever. They lost out on XG in every single game they played uh, in the group stage, which means they gave up the better chances. And it's an aging squad, as we all know. We don't need reminding. And for me... It's just been moments of magic from that agent call. That's the kind of reason that they finished in uh, in second place in Group D. And you know, like like we said, they were fortunate to do so on those uh, underlying numbers. Yes, they gained four points, but as we said, they con- conceded the better chances in all of those games. And you know, Scotland hadn't scored at that point in the tournament when they played. Managed to obviously score against them, and the large periods of that game, Scotland were the much much better side. And now you want it, you expect them to to go against the Spain side and get the better of them. Well, I just don't see it. And as you've already said as well, Croatia like to keep the ball and Spain do it better than anyone. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do when they've got to work for a larger portion of that game just to try and get the ball back for a start. Because a lot of the sides they've played, you know, they've been able to contain them and keep possession and slightly outclass them with the likes of Modric. I don't see them doing that um, with the Spain side. But just quickly with, with XG, it, it does remain pertinent when the numbers are as high as they are. The point is they are creating these chances and with the players they've got in their squad, at some point or another, these chances are going to go in. As we saw against Slovakia, it seemed to be after a while, everything they created went in. You know, Ferran Torres even came off the bench and I think it was his first or second touch that he scored with. Um, and I just, I don't see them stopping here. I can see them creating a lot of big chances uh, against Croatia. And, you know, you look at it, it seems to be that a lot of people think the same. I mean, when I was first did the research for this and this was the day of our first podcast, Croatia around five to one. And they're pushing out to around 7.2 in some places, so just over 6 to 1. So money is coming for Spain. Um, and even at 5 to 1, that gives them an expected chance of winning of just 17%. And when they've been priced up similarly, they've won around 1% of those matches. They don't tend to fare well as, as underdogs going up against classier opponents. And I don't see that changing here. They failed to keep a clean sheet in their last four meetings with Spain. And in fact, they've not kept a clean sheet in any of their last five games. Um and also, Spain haven't lost any of their last 10, 10 matches. They've been largely underwhelming in their, their finishing, as, as it's well known, well documented. But the numbers are there to suggest that they can turn that around. And Yeah, just just for me, I think Luis and Rihanna's side, they have been incredibly wasteful um, in front of goal prior to that explosion against Slovakia and scored only twice from a total of uh, 6.07 XG. And, but if they've got their act together at top, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with throughout these knockout stages. And I just don't see Croatia really posing a problem to them here. They might frustrate them for large periods of the game early on, but in the end, I think I don't think they're going to do enough to be able to keep this Spain side at bay. And also, Spain are averaging the third most shots per game on average, around 16 per game. And you have to think 
you know, as we said, an Asian Croatia side, at some point or another, one or two of them is going in if they can if they allow another 16 shots on their goal. Um, so for me, I think they slightly priced this up wrong. I'm not sure what the price is on that. I have to go and look. But when I looked originally, over two and a half goals was just a shade over evens. But my favourite bet was uh, Spain minus one. And uh, that was at 2.07 on 3.65. In that way, it's even Oh, my bet, you bastard. Did I? <laughs> there we are. But, well, great minds think alike. You know, if there's nothing better than when you're all thinking along similar lines. But for me, you know, if Spain win one nil, then you get your money back. And I don't see how Spain don't win this game. Um, admittedly, I said the same about Italy. And to be fair, the chances Italy should have gone and won that game in 90 minutes. So I'm yeah. still happy with uh, Spain on the minus one. That would be my go-to here. Couldn't agree more. I, one of the things I, I love doing, because I, 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 I obviously do love my XG, but I, I think um, I think in tournament football, XG can be a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit voided just because it's tournament football. So yep. the reason why I've decided to go with Spain minus one in this is because they've got the XG there. And then on top of that, they finally had their big breakthrough where they just scored a shit ton of goals against Slovakia. And I think that was kind of the thing shackling them that they just could not find the back of the net. And I think that becomes more than just a physical challenge of getting the ball in the net. I think it becomes a mental challenge of just not believing in yourself. And now I think that they've been able to take the shackles off and score a heap of goals. Now they come up against a Croatian team who are, I I really don't rate them. Like you said, George, and I think they can, uh, I think they can be easily got at at the back and concede a few goals. So, um, I think I think Spain will be feeling very very confident. Although it was against Slovakia, I think they will feel like they've got their mojo back now. Uh, and like you said, I'm more than happy to take the minus one on the chance that they win the game and I get my money back. And I remember looking at the prices, thinking I'll take Spain minus one, and if it's anything over evens, I'm more than happy to more than happy mm. to take that. So I think you know Spain minus one over a fifty percent chance of of that happening. So um, I couldn't agree more, mate. Uh, Neil, have you had any bets in this one? Um, yeah, it was the, the um, Spain under three and a half, but actually, you know, the, the minus one, I think is a very good play as well. Um, also factoring in, I think the game's being played in Copenhagen. So everyone kind of assumes that Spanish games in Seville was a big advantage with the home crowd, but there's a lot of players in that Spain team who aren't used to, you know, that kind of heat. There's players from the Basque region, you know, it's fairly grim there. Um, so, you know, it's just as much a disadvantage for some of those. So I think actually the climate might suit this game. So maybe potentially, you know, there could be goals in it as well. And that, that would that would suit them quite nicely. But yeah, I think the minus one is a great play. Is it 2.1? Yeah, yeah, you can get, I, I'm pretty sure you can get better than that. I, I can look up on, on trade, mate, quickly. What um because normally there's quite a few yeah. bookmakers there that I'll be able to see what you can get that for if you guys just bear with me for two. I think seconds. also um you know if it's kind of nil nil going into the break, but Spain are kind of building up these chances, I'd definitely go sort of fairly heavy on overs in the second half. You know for similar reasons that George has mentioned as well. Yeah, uh, so you can get yeah two point. Yeah, it looks like the exchanges and pinnacle are sitting at about two ten. So yeah, you can get that. I think there's a few pickers there at two thirteen. So um, yeah, there you go. And that, that's kind of been constant. You know, if I first liked this bet just after the podcast we did on Thursday night, uh, and that price has basically stayed the exact same the whole way through. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I assume there'll probably be a swing either way once uh, kickoff comes a bit closer, but. I think yeah. there, I think there will be, but you've seen Croatia's price. It kind of surprised, you know, Croatia have gone out by or drifted by an entire point. You know, they were at five to one, now they're around six to one, if not a little bit over. Yet the, the price on uh, minus handicap for for Spain stayed exactly the same. Um, yeah, I just think I think it's the bet in this game. Um, I'd be absolutely shocked if Croatia put a number over on Spain, I really would. I'd, I'd just see Spain winning this. And for me, as long as they win, you either get your money back or it's a win. So it's the go-to. Well, it's one of those games where I would prefer to back Croatia on the 1x2 rather than back them on the handicap because I, I think the, the extra price is way worth the, is way more worth the gamble because um, you, 
Croatia losing by just one goal is like it's a bit of a risk to me. Like I can see them losing by more than that, and I'd rather have you know maybe had a smaller stake and and taken the bigger odds because I personally see you know a bigger chance of Croatia winning one nil than Croatia uh, losing by one goal. I don't know if that makes any sense to you guys, but um, anyway. Sense. That's kind of just the way I look at it, but who cares about what I think? Uh, France versus Switzerland, fellas. The other game tomorrow night. I'll do my job this time and I'll get the odds up. I completely forgot for the last game. Uh, France, uh, you can get as high as 1.64 at Unibet there. The draw, 3.85. Looks like that's at the Canby bookmakers. Uh, And then Switzerland, you can get 7 to 7.3, something in that range there. Um, yeah, after a big win over Germany, France hit the brakes a touch with that draw against those draws, sorry, against Hungary and Portugal. But they are still clear favourites to win the tournament. I think, what are they, about fours or fives? Something yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, Switzerland, on the other hand, have had a pretty good tournament so far, rebounded from that big loss to Italy with some absolute cracking goals against Turkey. And something I'd also add in here about Switzerland is I think they've had like a massive, a huge break between games here. Like we're talking maybe even 10 days uh, by the time this is played. Um, So they'll be well and truly rested and ready to go. George, I'll go to you first on this one, mate. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, yeah, with regards to the rest, just quickly, that can go one or two ways. It can either be a good thing or it can be a very bad thing because in tournament football, I find that momentum is... You need teams who have the momentum. They're, they tend to be the ones that go further in tournaments. Um, but yeah, looking at this game, I mean, just to sort of discuss the odds, France are around sort of 1.53 when I was originally looking. And again, just to, in terms of the expected chances, that gives them expected chance of winning of 65%. But they actually win 80% of uh, their matches when they're around similar odds. Um, and this is actually going to be their first meeting since 2016. And four of the previous five head-to-heads have seen under two and a half goals. They do tend to be quite tight. Um, and they've not lost any of their last six to Switzerland and have lost none, none of their last 10 games, uh, France. They've also scored first in six of their last eight. But uh, looking at the Swiss, they've failed to keep a clean sheet in their last three matches. I mean, they looked all right going forward. But even against Turkey, who are probably the worst side in this tournament, somewhat surprisingly, they still looked a bit shaky in defence to me. Um, and for me, I think if this match goes as wide as expected, then the first nail, if you like, in Switzerland's coffin, it might be quick to arrive. You know, eight of Switzerland's previous 11 competitive matches, um, excluding kind of like walkover and stuff, witnessing the opening goal score within 15 minutes. They do tend to concede quite early. So if France can get that and take the initiative, then obviously I think it's just going to be plain sailing for them. Um, but Switzerland, to be fair, they've also scored in seven uh, of their last nine. So like I said, that just kind of provides proof that they're not too bad going forward. They're, they're relatively good, relatively creative. It's just they're building off a defence that, that can't keep clean sheets and, and that always poses a threat and a problem for them if they want to progress further into knockout football. And in fact, only Croatia, Wales and Sweden posted a lower expected goal difference um, of the teams that have made the round of 16. And you know, At the same time, looking at France, it's, it's difficult to argue against their favouritism for Euro 2020, but obviously we discussed on the last podcast when you kind of look at the routes going through and they're in the toughest tier imaginable. So they've got to play some tough games if they want to reach that final. And you'd have to argue if they reach the final, then they, they probably deserve it because they'll have had to have beaten the, the harder sides on paper. And I know everyone's been calling for you know, Deschamps to decide, you know, oh, where's this flamboyant football? We're, we're bored of seeing the type of football you're playing. And everyone knows France starts slowly. They then kick on a few gears. And that's the thing with France. They still look like they've got two, three, four gears to go through yet. Um, and Deschamps is a very pragmatic manager. He knows what works. And this... This is a game, you know, this whole game, it's, it's built on success. You know, it's a results-based business and Deschamps has already proven he knows how to get those results. And yes, he's got the likes of Griezmann, Mbappe, Hogba, Kante and all of these, you know, star players. But I, I think he knows how to win and he'll make it difficult. He'll defend what he's got. Um, he likes his team to work hard. He doesn't necessarily make them play this flamboyant, expansive football. And I don't think we'll see that here. I just think they outclass opponents, simple as that. And, you know, Pogba and Kante start together. I think it's a stat that we will well know now. It's about, what, 30 games they've started together without losing. Um, but yeah, I do see goals in this one because Switzerland defensively, absolutely horrible. And, and Switzerland can definitely get on the score sheet themselves. So I wouldn't like to necessarily go on, on a result, although I'd 
purely at the odds, you know, I, I don't think there's any value in France um, at the odds that they are. They should win, but at those odds, I'm not having any of it. But I did quite like France just to score two goals in the game, at least. So over 1.5 team goals. Um, and that was at 1.8 when I originally looked on, on 3.65. And, and I thought that was a solid bet, purely because the attacking output they have, the, the players on show and just how horrible Switzerland are defensively. I think France can uh, capitalise on that and exploit it. But yeah, so for me, I think that was the play, France, to just score over 1.5 team goals. All right. I think the stream just timed out briefly for a second there, but we we might be back. If one of you guys could just move. Yeah, I can see George moving and I can see Neil's eyes moving, so that's yeah. good. I think we're... Uh, <laughs> I think we're <laughs> shadow, it was just shadow boxing. <laughs> um, all right, so that's good. I thought we just lost everything, but that's all good. Um uh, I, I yeah. So one of the one of the things I was looking at here was, oh, I kind of agree with you, George. Is that um, I could see this. I feel like this has just got like a one nil, two nil France win yeah. written all over it. They just, I couldn't agree more. I feel like France haven't haven't barely got out of first or second gear in the tournament so far, and that and that class, their class will really start to shine now. Is that kind of how you see it, see it Neil? Yeah, I, I yeah I agree with what, what what you've said there as well. Like um, you know, I just I see it as kind of fairly, I mean, routine. I guess I think I think Switzerland could make it difficult for 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 a while, but ultimately class will tell. But the danger with with France is you know if they kind of keep doing this, you know, at some point you know they might not be able to step up that gear if they're um, you know just kind of restraining themselves this much. It's kind of frustrating to see. I mean, it's not just France. It's a kind of general trend of international football now, even with Portugal. I was quite happy to see them knocked out, to be honest, because um, you've got all this attacking talent, but, you know, you, you've got a coach who kind of restrains it and pulls it in, especially, you know, with Deschamps. You look at that team, they don't play the way you expect that they would or, you know, that the fans would expect that they, they could with all that attacking talent. Um, but, yeah, I think I think they have more than enough to get the job done. Um, George stole that uh, that stat. I was going to use that one as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. You know, again, that, that it could be a case of Switzerland kind of conceding early. Um, you know, you saw against Wales. I mean, you know, they, they were absolutely battering Wales. But, you know, kind of fairly routine um, you know, crosses into the box will just kind of cause them problems. I think that the, the, the quality that France have on show, it, it, you know, I think this would be, you know, the, the shock of the round. It's the shock of the tournament if Switzerland, I mean, even for them to take them to extra time, I think would be yeah. an amazing achievement, to be honest. But I don't I don't see France, you know, going 4-0, 5-0 and demolishing them either. I think, as you said, I think a 1-2-0 you know, I, I don't see them kind of pushing forward. If they get that first goal, they'll kind of, you know, keep that pace and um, conserve their energy for the next round. I think Deschamps is very much about um, kind of planning his way through a tournament, being quite strategic in that sense. So, um, yeah. Um, actually, one thing I was thinking is, like, I mean, um, how do you think Granit Zaka has been playing, like, this tournament, Alex? Like, have you got these sort of thoughts well, I, I, I haven't I haven't watched any of the Switzerland. Or maybe I watched a little bit of the Italy Switzerland game, but um, <clears throat> I mean, I can guess how he's been playing. I, I, I've actually listened to a lot of Arsenal podcasts talking about how he's been playing, and it's it's pretty standard stuff. I mean, Shaka Shaka doesn't thrive in a midfield where it's kind of all him, and he's kind of left to his own accord to 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 run the team. I guess like he needs he needs a partner that that kind of like the best football he's ever played at Arsenal is with Thomas Party next to him, because uh, you know Party's kind of been the man in charge and 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 been able to make up for a lot of Shaka's. Uh, you know, inabilities. Like he's he's uh, he's got so he's obviously got a lot of mistakes in him. But Shaka's best ever season in Ar- with Arsenal has been this last season. He, I think he, I honestly think he was one of our best players, and he was a shout for Player of the Season. Even though the likes of Saka and Smith Rowe had a, had cracking seasons, just because he was the most consistent. So, um, I think uh, any team out there, Switzerland, or it's reported that he's going to Roma. If you put him in the right system, he's a great player. Like he's obviously not a world beater. He's not a, you know, a Kante or you know anything like that. That's gonna that's gonna you know win you anything amazing. But he uh, 
yeah, put in the right system, mate, he can he can most certainly thrive. Yeah. So yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I guess I, I definitely agree. So what the the kind of play that I'm gonna have the stats play. It's not another stats bet for me. Uh, is on passes. So um, I actually quite like this. So for Granite Zappa to get um, over sixty and a half is the line. He's hit that uh, in all the games so far. And if I just kind of run my stats, really impressively, actually, he, he managed to hit 88 passes against Italy, which I think was actually incredible. I mean, you know, a lot of them kind of sideways, meaningless passes, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter for this bet. So, um, you know, again, I can see France, they, they might go a goal up, Switzerland need to chase the game. Um, France are very happy and content to just kind of sit back and just soak up pressure and just, um, yeah. you know, Pick the ball off. They, they, they did that against Germany, didn't they? As soon as yeah, France went, they really. just gifted Germany the ball and just let them yeah. kind of dictate the play. So if uh, France do score early, that's quite a hell of a shot. Yeah, so I, I can really I can see that happening because you know he's fairly consistent. He averages um, you know, in the kind of seventies, um, you know, the last year. So um, I I think you know Bet three six five got this price wrong to be honest, but um, time will tell. Yeah, and I can promise you, when Shaq is when the impetus is on him and his side to to score a goal, he does love a sideways pass. So yeah, I couldn't <laughs> agree agree more with that bet, mate. Um, gents, one thing that I looked at here, and I heard of, I listened to a few other podcasts. One of the most popular bets I heard was France and under three and a half goals. I thought that was a good shout. I think mm. that was a touch over evens, but one that I have taken. Uh, <clears throat> I'd be more than happy to take France and under three and a half goals, but I think there's more value in this one was just France to win to nil. You can get as high as 2.5, and I think that the chances of that happening are are much better than what those odds suggest because, you know, like you guys have said, go one nil up and it's it's almost – that's where they thrive at one nil up. And and I I think that although they've conceded three goals this tournament so far – I think that's just a. I think that's a bit of a facade, to be honest. I I, I think that that France really haven't hit hit second or third gear like we've mentioned. Mm. Uh, George, have you had any bets in this one, mate? Yeah, you asked me to speak about it. France to score two or more goals in the game. Oh, no sorry, one. mate. I, I I completely missed that one. Sorry, mate. I think that was when the connection timed out, or at least that's what I'll, I'll blame it on. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. we, I believe you, mate. Many wouldn't. A <laughs> uh, few questions come through here. Player Cam, good to see you again, mate. Uh, he says, guys, what are your thoughts on the Euro 2020 so far? It's disgusting uh, on the players and fans that have to travel so much. Um, yeah, anyone that got any strong opinions about all the travel they've had to endure? I guess it's a bit of an unprecedented tournament with COVID. So, yeah, I mean they didn't plan for that, and and it's you know it's a year delayed. I I can see where player cams coming from in that sense, but uh, I I love this idea. You know, like what you have. Um, I mean, maybe it's slightly different for European countries, but things like World Cups. You know, countries bankrupt themselves to host these tournaments to build new stadiums. Look, I'm here in Qatar, right? We're going to have all these new stadiums and in the size of, you know, basically the countries, you know, probably just like the size of Birmingham, the metropolitan area, you know, it's like, imagine having all these stadiums. No one's going to use them. I've gone to games where there's been like... Good job he's got twin with Birmingham. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I've, you know, I've gone to games where there's been like, you know, 10 people and a dog there, you know, like you're not going to have that infrastructure so something like this where, you know, you've got games in Baku, you've got games in Amsterdam, Copenhagen, and there's people all over the continent who can go and see a game. Um, I think it's brilliant, personally. Um, you know, the fans can travel. They don't have to. I mean, like, you know, George is covering the Copper America, you know. That I know sort of, let's say, someone like Tim Vickery, I've heard speak about this a lot of the times, that people don't travel. Away fans don't travel in South America for games. There's no – the infrastructure's not there. Flights are too expensive people's disposable income isn't that high anyway. So that's kind of an irrelevance. Um, so, that, I mean, that's my take on it. But, you know, I, it, I think the thing I have sympathy with is um, people are kind of stuck or, you know, again, the logistics of trying to get to these places or some fans can't come from certain countries. Danish fans had, what, 12 hours to kind of get in and out of Amsterdam, things like that, you know, it's awkward. But, I mean, I don't know what more UEFA is supposed to do, really. Their hands are tied with a lot of this. It's, it's not. I wouldn't blame them. 
I think it's got its pros and cons, isn't it? As you've said, like yes, the cons being that the amount of travel involved is kind of could potentially hamper sort of performances, it's unfair on the fans, they can't travel. But as we've already kind of alluded to, you know, for example, like Hungary getting to play in their home grounds at the Puskas Arena against the likes of France, Germany and Portugal, you know, they wouldn't wouldn't have been able to see them otherwise. And what a day that must have been for them. The best atmosphere of any of the games, you know, you could hear it through the TV. Yeah, exactly. And it's no different. Scotland's another good example too. I really enjoyed listening to them. We've got got Hamden Park, obviously games in Copenhagen with Denmark. And, you know, know, I think there are a lot of pros to it. Yes, there obviously, there's always going to be negatives to to every tournament. And I think, you know, a lot of these players are are used to travel. I mean, but then you look on a seasonal basis in in the MLS, teams are regularly travelling sort of, I don't know, like a thousand kilometres to to an away game or this, that and the other. And even tonight, Brazil, I know it's a, a tournament again, Brazil playing uh, Ecuador in, in a quick turnaround. They've had to travel 1,600 kilometres just to get to this one game and they'll have to travel another 800 to the, to the next. You know, it's, it, it, it's what kind of, it comes with the territory, I think, in a way. Um, but yeah, there's pros and cons to it. But I, I agree in terms of the other comments, you know, the tournament has been mess players are tired, but it's... <laughs> I don't know that I agree with it or not really. I mean, end of the day, players are playing to win. They are playing to win in the best way they know how. If they're thinking, well, if we go head-to-head with this side, we're going to get absolutely mullered. It's no different to Burnley. They're going to go away to a Chelsea or a Man City. They're not going to go head-to-head with these teams because they'll get absolutely trounced. They've got their own game plan of how they're going to get through it. Saw it with Czech Republic earlier. Keep things tight early doors, frustrate them, and then see what can happen. And that's what they did, and they got the win. You play to your strengths. Yeah, Uh, I think it would be... uh... I think I'd be lying if I said there isn't a lot of negativity in the comments section uh, for our player, Cam and Ashley, are just telling each other how much they hate the Euros. <laughs> what I would say, to add to what Claire Cam's saying, is actually, I think I, I would be more critical of the new format, the 2014 format. I'm, I'm, that has pros and cons for me. I think you could see in 2016 as well, there was a lot of kind of local, there's a lot of dross a lot of games, you know, again, with teams that you know, don't come out and attack. That's why, to be fair, Macedonia, I, I enjoyed watching them because they gave it a go. You know, they were quite naive. But at the same time, they gave it a go and are actually a bit of fun. But a lot of these teams, you know, coming in as low-seeded teams through the Nations League, you're going to get that. And this third-place situation means, again, you know, you've got poor-quality teams coming through the knockouts. Um, but look, the Czechs beat you know, the, the Dutch today. These things are going to happen. Iceland beat England last time. I think there's enough to make it worthwhile. Yeah, no, it's it's a fact. It's I mean, the way I see it, I agree with everything you guys have said. And uh, I, I'm I'm in Australia while the Euros are on, and I wish I was over in Europe while this was on. So uh, if that if that you know shows anything, then maybe it does. I don't know. Uh, let me just uh, get to this question here from Ashley. He says, "Which do you guys like better, France and over?" One and a half goals or friends and under three and a half goals. I'm guessing we like the under three and a half goals more. I mean, yeah, if obviously with my bet, I've, I just need France to score two goals. I don't really care if they if they win or if they lose. They could lose 3-2. My bet would still come in. But I think I don't see that happening. I don't see Switzerland scoring three times against France. But I think if you wanted to go for, for the France win, I'd say that I don't think there'll be many that many goals in the game. And I think that the stat that I read out before, for example, um, where was it just going through here? Um, in terms of times that they've they've actually met, um, yeah, the previous five heads have seen under two and a half goals, and France do tend to keep things tight. I mean, I know Switzerland have seen over two and a half goals in five of the last six games, but they've usually been against teams that they can get at themselves and probably have a fair chance of beating. And there's just a sheer difference in class here between France and Switzerland. So I. If I was going for a France win, I'd want the under three and a half, definitely. But I'm just going for France to score two goals. All right. Awesome. Uh, Good to see you here. Ashley, you're doing my job for me, mate. It goes, what do you guys think about Germany, England? Well, funny that, mate. No one's interested. (laughs) (laughs) We are just about to talk about it, mate. Uh, I've even got the odds up on the screen here. England are at 2.6, Germany at 2.6. Point nine threes in some places, and the draw is three point two five, three point three. A very, very tight market, maybe the tightest market we've seen so far this tournament. Uh, one of the biggest games here, as we can imagine, round of sixteen. Two juggernauts going head to head. England possessed the second best defensive record 
of the tournament, conceding only 1.39 XG and zero goals in total. Whereas Germany come into this game with very unpredictable form, uh, a loss to the French, resounding victory over Portugal and a draw with Hungary. But one thing they will do is they can score goals. Uh, I mean, this is most certainly the hardest uh, attacking team that England have gone up against so far this tournament. Neil, mate, I'll go to you first. How how are you feeling about England's chances in this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're going to get like a far sort of more helpful response from from George on this because I, I I've avoided sort of listening to anything related to the game or. Um, you know, kind of getting caught up in the sort of you know, the wave of all this because, yeah, I, I, I can't call it. I, I think, that, you know, from the things that have sort of, um, you know, come my way that I haven't been able to avoid, um, you know, I, th- I think there is a bit of optimism here. I think that there's a sort of sense that this Germany side are beatable. Um, it's going to be at Wembley. You know, I'd like to think for once that the crowd is actually going to be behind the team um you know without all the kind of booing nonsense or anything else that you know i think they'll kind of figure out that they need to be um that that 12th man and actually it could be a great atmosphere and i think that'll really help england um and it will help england that you know again germany they they are open they can't help it you know the, the way that they play if they play this kind of 343 it's going to be um i think a kind of open expansive game and um you know in england have got the players the quality to to score and you know both sides have got so many options on the bench as well so i, I think for a neutral i think it'll be a good game I, I think um sort of historically you know england germany games you know i don't read too much into head to heads from years ago but i do see some parallels to um you know the game in south africa as well you know it could be a fast start it could be you know at, at quite a fast pace and there could be goals in it so um i t- games you know if it's teams that i i support so you know england and spurs games i generally tend to avoid betting on because i think it uh disrupts my process and i have biases there that are harder to remove but if i was a neutral you know i, I think the price maybe alex you can put up the price on the goals markets um yeah i, think I, I, I was gonna say i know a lot of people have been flirting with the both teams to score market which is you know what you know, 1.9 there for yes. Um, and, yeah, I can get the over-under here for you, mate. Yeah, I mean, to be, I mean, it's, to me, it, it just seems a, a good price, over 2.5, so 2.24 on, on the S markets, you know, on their sports book, you know, 2.2, I think it's a great price. So, you know, even if you kind of trade it in play, I just think that there's potential for a lot of goals here. I think, I mean, tonight it didn't transpire with Belgium and Portugal, but I think both teams are sort of, were tactically set up. The heat in Seville probably didn't help. Um, and I think we were kind of, you know, unlucky that it did end up 1-0 because Portugal had a lot of chances in the second half. Um, I can't see that happening again in this game. So I think, you know, I mean, the, the, the thing to keep an eye on really here is the outright market. You know, anyone who wins this, you know, their odds are going to drop significantly. You know, they've got a good run. They've got a good... Um, you know, kind of, kind of run all the way potentially to the final. So um, that, yeah, that would be something I'd look at here. But yeah, I can't call it. I, I, you know, I'm fearful as well, you know, again, because Germany, you don't know what you're going to get with them really from the groups, you know, again, they're just that performance they put in against Portugal. But, are, you know, are, are England going to defend like that? You know, are they going to be more solid? Southgate, you know, he's, for all his, his critics, you know, he has set them up well, you know, well-drilled in defence. And, um so, so they will be harder to break down. But then England haven't come up against, you know, an attack of this quality so far in the tournament. And, uh, you know, that could be a struggle for them. They are the youngest you know, or one of the youngest teams there, um, you know, in this kind of pressure situation. You know, who knows? We've been here so many times before, so I, I'm not going to get too optimistic and get my hopes up. I don't think, you know, at that price, England, I, I wouldn't be taking them in a game like this. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of a little bit fearful it could be a Germany route or England could end up storming to victory as well. I just, I can't call it personally. So <laughs> that, that's well, me. I mean, if I was going to be on anything, I'd be on um, over two and a half goals. 
All right. Well, let's go over to George then. And just before you say anything, Mel's going to say the winner of this game will play Sweden or Ukraine. And then the winner of that game will play Czech Republic or Denmark. So that draw is is very, yeah. very open mm-hmm. for the winner of this game. I mean, you can almost make the case that the winner of this game has a very, very, very good chance of making it to the final. And, uh, yeah, your thoughts, George? Yeah, well, I mean, it's very rare you kind of get international derbies, isn't it? And, uh, and this one heated up. Obviously, we used to see Sir Alex Ferguson on a weekly basis employing the old mind games and... Lothar Mateus has actually started bringing some of that into it. I don't know if any of you saw it, but uh, obviously in this over here, I'll talk about England. It's all about the team selection and we're getting annoyed at that. Like, you know, with Southgate kind of saying, oh, Sancho's had no tournament experience. Why, you know, so we don't want to throw him in at the deep end, but then starts Calvin Phillips in every single game. It's just absolutely baffling. But uh, Lothar Mateus has come out and said, well, if England don't want to start him, then we'll happily give him a German passport and we'll play him. So, I mean, it's like the mind games are already there already and, and it's just heating up. Uh, I can't wait for this one, obviously, naturally, as, as an England fan. But I completely agree. I wouldn't really want to bet on this one just because I feel like my judgment might be clouded and uh, got the rose-tinted specs on, if you like. But, yeah, it was kind of looking at it and surprisingly England favourites um, against this German outfit. But I think a lot of that is the kind of media bias of, like, oh, no, we win this, we're going to get to the final. And we might be slightly overlooking the fact that th- this is Germany. Um and everyone's sort of saying, but Germany, you know, they're not as good as they were. They're they're old. They can be got at this and the other. But you look at their underlying numbers, and it doesn't scream team in trouble by any stretch. Um, they actually posted the best expected goal difference by any team in Group F, um, plus two point seven expected goal difference. And and like we said earlier, France allowed Germany to kind of dictate the game, and they were pretty poor there. But we saw how brilliant they were against Portugal. Yes, they were helped by the two own goals, but. For example, Gosens absolutely terrorised mm-hmm. Semedo down that right hand side, down there, Germany's left hand side. Sorry, and for me, I think it's pivotal here. I mean, there's been rumours that Southgate's obviously toying with uh, playing uh, potentially a three-five-two formation or something like that. And for me, I think we need a four at the back, um, and I'd like to see someone like Trippier there. He can get forward, but he's much more defensively sound than someone like Kyle Walker. Uh, as a City fan, and obviously Neil will be able to attest to this as a Spurs fan, Kyle Walker he, he can be brilliant, but he gets himself out of jail quite often sheerly because he's so fast if, yeah. if he didn't have that pace he'd be he'd be on the chopping block every other week for something that he's done and I think he's too unpredictable to have in a game of this importance a game of this magnitude so I like a back four with Trippier on the back and I think we could potentially keep that um, England's right hand side a little bit more quiet but no looking at it it's not usually that much of a feisty affair you look at the eight of the last eight head-to-heads I've actually seen under five cards in total um and like I said, I've mentioned it before, you see in the league, Premier League with Man City and Liverpool, more often than not, they're at uh, the bottom in terms of kind of the cards received or the cards in their game in general, simply because they keep possession so well and no one can really get near them. And both of these sides have got excellent technical players and I don't necessarily, unless for some reasons, a ridiculously bad challenge or something like that, obviously it can happen, but I don't see it boiling over here. Um, I just see two sides that are well-drilled and want to get the job done. Um, and know the kind of importance of this one in terms of the tournament moving forward. Um, but yeah, five of the last eight meetings, I know Neil said about head-to-heads and stuff, but I feel like this is this is a derby, so things can be a little bit different. Um, yeah, they've gone over two and a half goals and it just kind of lends itself to the fact that we believe there's going to be goals in this game. Um, and England have lost none of their last nine matches and haven't conceded in five, so they do tend to keep things tight, but they've not really played anyone with the quality of Germany. Yeah, I think that's the main point to take from this one. It's easy to kind of just look at stats as an overview and say, oh, they've kept a clean sheet in this many times. They've not faced anyone like Germany in that time. Um, but you say that, and England have actually failed to score in three of their last four against Germany. So uh, that was a kind of a stat I didn't really want to read out, but nevertheless, <laughs> it's there. So hopefully we can change that this time. Um, but yeah, they've also been the first to score England in eight of their last nine games. And like I said, I was talking about the Germany numbers, but they themselves haven't kept a clean sheet in their last six matches. So it could just come down to a case of who's going to score more. We're going to score more than you and get this game won. And I'll kind of see that, see it going that way. Um, and both teams have scored in five of Germany's last six games overall. And that includes against our favourite country, Latvia, Alex. So, uh, you know, Germany pumped Latvia 7-1. Seven, seven, you know, tough still- day. Tough day in my yeah. household, mate. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I wouldn't want to have been there. But... Uh, no, if Latvia can score against the Germans, I don't see why England can't at Wembley, regardless of the occasion, regardless of the importance on the game. We've got the quality to do it. Um, and yeah, England have actually scored twice from 22 shots, but that's totaling 4.3 XG. And 
they do often look to slow the game down when in possession. We saw it even against Czech Republic. We made changes and that first half, I was like, this is more of the England we want to see, more directiveness, more intensity. This is looking good. And second half just went back to being absolute dross. Um, and as soon as we scored that one goal, I had a feeling that was going to be the final score. You could just kind of tell and it seems to be the way that we're playing at the moment. And for me, it does just come down to uh, team selection. I think we just need a bit more creativity and a little, have a little bit more impetus about us and because, you know, we've not won by a single goal, more than a single goal in any of the last five games. And we've lost our three, our last three games against Germany at Wembley by a one goal margin. So I, I don't want us to keep it tight and I don't think we will. I think we'll see goals in this game. I think both defences can be got at. You'd argue, have England been solid at the back or have they been lucky? Maybe a mixture of both, but got Maguire back, who I do think is obviously much better than Mings. I think his ability to read the, the passing lines and himself play those passes through the through the lines into the gaps is, is excellent too. So, yeah, I see goals in this game. I see it being relatively end-to-end. Um, and I think England, maybe it's more the fans than the actual players, but we'll all remember that goal where, if you like, that initiated the introduction of goal line technology with Frank Lampard. I think we were 2-0 were down at the time. Frank Lampard beat Manuel Neuer, clearly went over the line, wasn't given. And you have to feel if it had been given, the momentum was with us. But I think it's about time we beat Germany. I think it's about time we go through. But again, this might be my rose-tinted spec. So rather than go with the result or anything like that, I've simply gone, as you said earlier, that a lot of people have with the, with the both teams to score because I can see both teams getting on the score sheet here. Um, I do think there would be goals in the game. So that was a safe punt for me. I'd love it to be an England win and both teams to score. But for now, let's play it safe. I'm going both teams to score. And that was at 1.85 that I found. So obviously, if you can get it higher, go with that. But at the time of writing, 1.85 was the best price. All right. Love it, mate. It's, uh, yeah, I understand you guys are probably, yes, rose-tinted glasses. So it's very hard to put in a solid prediction here without any bias. So I guess I guess I just have to step up to the mark and give you my yeah, thoughts. How do you see it in the future? <laughs> I, think, I think it's just all down to how you see the game of football. You've got two completely different sides. I see Germany as a, an attacking threat, like, like almost no other in the tournament, they're happy to probably they're almost happy to go for a shootout, aren't they? And see who can score the most goals. Whereas you got England on the other hand, who are probably more of like the France mold, aren't they? They like to really keep things nice and tight and solid, and and you know win by one goal. So I guess it just depends on how you how you look at the game. I think in tournament football, for me, I like more of the the England model. So if I had to. If I had to go with any team, I'd probably say England are a better chance, just because they're a lot more stable at the back. And if it if it uh, if it does turn into a in, into a shootout, then you'd favour Germany. I I think the the worst thing about England, the thing that goes against me about England, is the pressure of the country. I think the the negativity around England and the pressure yeah. they have is the worst thing that England have going for them. And I actually think. Playing at Wembley is a disadvantage, and I know that might sound ludicrous, but no, I, I think the negativity on social media, just the general uh, uh, comments from the media, it's all valid. They're all valid points. Like Southgate's not the greatest manager in the world. His his uh, the comments you mentioned uh, last time about Sancho and uh, George, the last couple of podcasts we've done, they're they're completely baffling. Like he's he's obviously not a tactical mastermind. He's a, um, he's a media man. He's not a coach. I'm sorry. He's a media man. He's very, very good in front of the media. But as a yeah. coach, in my opinion, he's out of his depth. His only pedigree is he managed Middlesbrough, right? And yeah. the under 21s, 23s. Like, sorry, but you yeah. need someone with a bit more experience than that. No, I agree. So I just think, I, I think for me, I, I like England in this one. But playing at Wembley, just it's the it's the one thing that's you know steers me away from backing or putting any kind of money on them. Uh, mate, attack, attacks win you games, defences win you titles, and hopefully tournaments. So exactly, Jose Mourinho, the great quote. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was him, but I've heard him say it a million times. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, Wembley, it's just it's a lot of pressure for England to deal with, and they're not the, they're not the oldest squad, are they? They're full of lots of youngish kind yeah, of talent. They're the youngest in the tournament along with Turkey, I think. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's going to be a tough day for for both teams here, I reckon. But anyway, 
We'll see how it goes. We should uh, we should move on to the last game here. Sweden versus Ukraine. I can get the odds up on my screen. Sweden favourites here at 2.4, maybe a bit, a bit higher than that in certain places. The draw at 3.2, 3.1. And Ukraine, you can get as high as 3.35. Sweden have been one of the surprise packets of the tournament so far, taking out the top gong in Group E with two wins and a draw, whereas Ukraine have really limped into the group stages here after a dismal performance against Austria. They are the only team in their knockouts that earned less than four points in the group stages. But as we always say, I think styles styles make fights, I guess is a, is a, a way of saying it. Uh, you know... Uh, this is one of those games where I don't think Ukraine exactly uh, match up to the style that that Sweden would normally like to face. So, George, how do you see this one, mate? Well, it was quite a surprise. I mean, I think it was just before we did our last podcast, um, when obviously the draws were made, I was kind of looking at the prices. And on the exchanges, I've backed Sweden uh, at odds of 75, 75. And for me, I thought that was like just quite overpriced. And potentially, I thought that if they beat Ukraine, Obviously, they're going to drop and potentially sort of trade out of a, a decent position and maybe stick with it and see if they can go a bit further. But um, yeah, they've already dropped to sixty. So obviously, there's some money coming for Sweden on, on the outrights anyway. And I think they breeze through this. I, I say breeze. Well, I say breeze. I think they make it look comfortable against this Ukraine side because Ukraine worry me. Um, I appreciate it's the knockout stages now, but the way they down tools kind of against Austria, it almost as if to say, "Oh, we're going to make it through anyway." It, it was slightly concerning because. Uh, Andrei Shevchenko won't be happy with that. And he's been brilliant managing this Ukrainian outfit. And so that's the only slight concern I, I have with them. And also just defensively, that they're not that sound, Ukraine. Um, they failed to keep a clean sheet against Sweden in the last three meet, three meetings. But they've also failed to keep a clean sheet in the last three matches. And even against the likes of North Macedonia, as we said, the Macedonians kind of went for it. But, you know, also that was Ukraine, I believe, their, their only win in the group stage was uh, against Ukraine. And so obviously they are very fortunate to, um, sorry, against North Macedonia. So they're fortunate to find themselves in the knockout stages in the first place. But then you look at Sweden, who as a collective, so organised, so disciplined, they're brilliant under Anderson. Um, they've been first to score in nine of their last 10 matches, also been leading at half time in, in six of their last eight games. And they're conceding an average of just 0.38 goals across their last eight internationals. Um, as I've already mentioned, Ukraine but were very fortunate to end up here. Um, and also, they've got, for me, it's their numbers that are at the back that are a point of interest. They allowed 5.52 expected goals against in just their three group matches. Admitted they played the Netherlands, obviously, put a bit of a beating on them and creating a lot of chances. But they still, you know, conceded chances to the likes of North Macedonia. And against Austria, sorry, but Austria should have won by an absolute canter, in my opinion. The amount of chances they created against this Ukrainian side was concerning alone. And personally, I think, obviously, Sweden were probably a better side than Austria. So, yeah, there needs to be a big improvement at the back for Ukraine for me. Um, and also, the teams to progress into this stage, uh, Euro 2020, Ukraine actually faced a joint most shots on target in the group stage. That was 16. 16 shots on target in just three games. Obviously, I can't remember how much were against the Netherlands. But the point is, they give up chances. And the side like Sweden, you've got, obviously, Isak up top, they've got Forsberg. You just can't afford to be giving them chances because they are very efficient and they will take them. Um but saying that, you know, Sweden themselves, in fact, it was only Wales um, and Sweden that conceded more XG of the teams that qualified for the last 16. So Sweden, in my opinion, Sweden, Ukraine, it could be unexpected goal-laden cracker to finish off uh, the round of 16. You know, both defences can be got at, but I just give Sweden a slight edge. Um, I really do. But I do believe there will be goals in this game. Um, for Sweden, when they played Slovakia, obviously it was a very tight one. Slovakia only had 0.68 um, XG in it. Obviously, where they beat them 2-0, it was a very tight and very good control performance. Um, but then, if you say that, it was the, probably the best game they had defensively because against uh, Spain and Poland, conceded 2.89 and 2.25 respectively. And, but the thing I love about Sweden is that game against Poland, the amount of money that came for Poland was insane. It was ridiculous. Everyone thought that, you know, Poland, they've got the motivation, they've got the reason for winning. Sweden are top in the group, so get on Poland. But And yes, Lewandowski missed that absolute sitter, but... Sweden got the job done. They still came out with a win and scored three goals. You know, that they're a very professional side. They dig deep. Um, this one's being played at Hamden Park in Glasgow. So, you no, know, it's not going to affect either of this, these sides weather-wise. Um, 
So for me, I've, I've kind of played it slightly safe just purely because of how dodgy they can, these sides can be at the back. Um, and I think, for example, Isaac, for me, he's, he's due a goal, just the way he's mm. been playing. Um, but then Ukraine, they, they themselves can you know score out of nowhere unexpectedly. So I really liked the Asian line here, uh, but it was the Asian goal line. It's just over two. And that was at 1.88 when I when I found it. So you get your money back if there's only two goals in the game. And obviously, if there's over two, so three or more, and, and it's a winner. So as long as there's not just a single goal or no goals at all, then uh, we at least get our money back here. And for me, I just see with both of these teams allowing the chances that they do. And yeah, I see there being at least two goals in this game. So that was the kind of angle that I went at. Because if I had to pick a winner, then I, I'd have to favour Sweden um, and the unders just simply because I think they're much more organised than Ukraine. And and I just I fear for Ukraine. If, say, for example, Sweden go 2-0 up in the first 20 minutes, Ukraine the sort of side from what I saw against Austria, that they were down tools and just sort of meander around it. I've seen it before with Ukraine. If the things aren't going their way, they do get a little bit frustrated and don't focus on trying to get back into the game. So for me... 2-0 uh, yeah. down against Netherlands. Yeah, this is true. This is true. That's the, <laughs> that's the one time I've seen that put in a decent performance and it surprised me. I thought you, Netherlands were going to go on and absolutely batter them. Um, they did but, yeah. need a Yarmolenko just fucking... Oh, exactly. And that brought... <laughs> Oh, mate, it was a joke, wasn't it? Absolutely ridiculous goal. But for, for me, had it not been for that, then they would have just been blown away because I've seen it with Ukraine time and time again. If things don't go their way, they can often down tools. And I hope they don't do that because I love Ukraine as a side. But I just see Sweden as a more professional outfit. I think they're the classier side. So I favour Sweden win. Uh, I favour Sweden to progress as well, obviously. Um, but yeah, for me, it's the goal lines here. I, I'm expecting a, at least a couple of goals. So I thought it was the case we get our money back. But any more... And we're in profit. All right. And how do you see this one, Neil? Um, yeah, personally, I'm I'm not so sure on on, on the goals, but I, I do see Sweden as just sort of like yeah, far more superior than the odds are actually suggesting in this kind of game. I think also the you know the, the stage of this competition, the kind of the, the pressure for you know, for both nations. Although you know Sweden have some. Um, you know, pedigree, you know, getting to, I think, third place at the 94 World Cup. And they have kind of gone into, you know, uh, quarterfinals of things like this. But, you know, it's, it's still a big stage, you know, and it's, and it's, again, the chance for Sweden that they could actually go quite deep into this tournament. Um, so I think the pressure of, of the occasion might get to, to both teams a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, Ukraine have been such a disappointment in a lot of ways, kind of, after, especially after the first game. Um, you know, like you said, when they did come back against against the Dutch, um, there's just you know it's just not quite right. I think the Austria game, we're going back to XG again. Um, you know, 0.36, that was their XG they created. You know, they they didn't they didn't really create much of, of note. Um, again, you know, in the Holland game, you know, perhaps a bit fortunate, 0.7 there. Again, and um, you know, Macedonia, you know, that, they don't count <laughs> in the grand scheme of all of this. You know, everyone scores scores against them. So, um, you know, to try and break down this Swedish defence is going to be a challenge for them. Um, it would be very, very difficult. You know, if Sweden could keep Spain at bay with 15% possession, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be hugely phased by, by, by the Ukraine. Um, you know, I, I think the, the Poland game was sort of an interesting sort of battle. They had to kind of be sort of forced into that. Um, but I think this could be quite a tense one. Um, again, I mean, but I, I fancy Sweden here, you know, combining that with, again, another run display. Uh, to be honest, combining all of these, you know, as kind of, you know, Sweden, France, uh, Spain to win under three and a half goals in all of them, you know, you, you, there's worse trebles you could do. Or, you know, you could, you could make a little tricksy out of that as well. But but I like that, you know, even the price on Sweden to win just straight up in 90 minutes. Uh, I think they've got enough quality there. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive uh, Isak fanboy. I think he's... Uh, oh, he's brilliant, yeah. Oh, I think he's superb. And I heard that he's got a release clause in his contract of 60 or 70 million or something like that. And I don't know how old he is, but I kind of just see him as, uh, yeah, I, th I think that could potentially be quite a uh, a good investment uh, from a club. I'd be surprised. I mean, I, you can't really see a club outside of England just with, you know, all the financial pressure with COVID at the moment activating that release clause, but it would not surprise me if um, ETAX21, thanks for that, Andy Pandy, that's a great name also, mate, um, 
I, I, I could see, you know, like a Arsenal don't really have the money, but maybe like a Manchester United who probably in need of a striker because Cavani's not the not the youngest anymore. Um, Greenwood and Rashford. I mean, Rashford is, is Rashford a striker? I mean, he obviously can right. play striker, but they don't really play him there. But I mean, yeah, but I feel like they shifted him out. They shifted him out to the wing to obviously allow for the likes of Cavani. And obviously, Green were playing there as well. I don't think they know what's going on with their forward line. I think he's actually, <laughs> yeah, this is this is my city head talking. I need to be quiet. <laughs> they ruin him. Yeah. Well, well I mean, you can just buy him just so no one else can. You know, that, that could be yeah. one tactic. I know <laughs> Arsenal. Like, I think Arsenal have talked about getting him. You've got like uh, you got Tottenham too. Imagine if they sold Harry Kane, they could have a bit of money to spend. I mean, he wouldn't go to Tottenham if he wants to win titles. That is, but... no one's coming to Tottenham. I haven't even got Man- a fucking manager. <laughs> now, what will happen is Man City will agree d- 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 like terms with him, and then United will come in and offer him double, and then he'll go there. That's what will happen. Just like Sanchez. Yeah. You'll see, you'll see Isaac. There'll be the signing video of him just playing the, like the flute in Old Trafford instead of the piano or something like that. You'll see it happening. Yeah, yeah, probably. All right. Well, um, I think that just about wraps things up, gents. Uh, if we uh, had to sum everything up and give our best bets for for tomorrow's games and also uh, Tuesday night's games, uh, where would you take me? I'll go to you first, George. Spain minus one. Stolen my bet again. Neil, where are you going, mate? Um, also, yeah, Spain as well. Spain and the unders, under three and a half. All right. Well, I'll go with uh, I'll go with France. France to win to nil. Uh, I think you can get as high as 2.5 on your favourite bookmaker too, Neil. I think it's is a red zone. Is that right? Red zone, yeah. Because I like they them. They offer yeah. some value on the win to nils, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they, no, they've been doing some good prices lately, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Red Zone. All right. Uh, you can find these guests at uh, at C George Gamble and George underscore CGG on Twitter. And you can find Neil at My Better Life on Twitter. And you can check out his website or blog, whatever it is, mybetterlife.com. Gents, we will be back either Wednesday or Thursday night. I'm not 100% sure right now. I haven't looked at the at the schedule, but we will be back to preview the quarterfinal matchups. So very exciting stuff. We're, uh, we're getting a few more spaces between these streams now because uh, we're into the finals, which is nice. But, um, yeah, anything else you guys wanted to go through today or we, uh, we're all very excited for the rest of the round of 16 games? All excited and looking forward, mate. Absolutely. All right. (laughs) You both sound very excited. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. We will uh, see you on Wednesday or Thursday night. In the meantime, please do a quick rate and review of the podcast. Give this stream a like if you're still on, everyone, and, uh, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you are looking to implement some of the strategies we talked about today, particularly the value betting ones, please start a free week trial of TradeMate Sports and start your value betting journey. Gentlemen, I will see you later in the week. Cheers, guys. Enjoy the games. Bye.